0: God. Amen. Just before we get into the message today, I just want to let you know that from tomorrow, uh, we're going on a a Daniel fast as a church. So um, if you're up for that, I think it'll, uh, it'll, you know, this is, you know, fasting isn't about going hungry. It's about hungering for God. And it's about making time for God and um so maybe for those of you that are not acquainted with daniel fast it just means you're just going without meat and chocolate and bread and you know some of us after the christmas and the new years we could benefit from that and uh, so anyway from tomorrow we're just trusting god that um, and the reason why it you know obviously there's health benefits uh, to fasting but the reason why we fast is because we want to encounter god and because we want to see God move in our nation and we want breakthroughs and like I said, right now the churches in Dublin are closed and Ireland are closed and we're believing for breakthrough But we're not just seeing to see, believing to see churches open we're believing to see hearts open because uh, for those of you who might have seen the clip from New, RTE on New Year's Eve you know, in, in a way it's just an indication of where uh, many people are at you, you know that they don't understand the things of God they have no regard for our fear of God and uh, and therefore you know it's not a matter of us simply arguing uh, even though you know on point of principle um, Christian Voice Ireland you know we we did a press release on it but it's not about just arguing the point it's about seeing people's hearts changed because ultimately whether you win or lose an argument uh is not necessarily the point we want to win the soul we want to win souls for christ we want to see hearts opened to him and so we're believing for revival in our nation so like i said this week uh you know maybe maybe the idea of going on 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 a fast for the next week is is too intimidating for you we're like i said we're not you know, every, every person is at a different place, okay? Sometimes I fast, I generally fast, you know, before I speak on a Sunday, maybe on a Saturday, I'll fast a few meals. And, um, but like I said, a Daniel fast is, is something different to that. Um, but y- you maybe just be able to fast one meal a week. Um, or maybe you're going to decide, you know what, I'm going to fast from TV this week or from social media or from... Uh, chocolate or whatever it is, um, but either way, I believe at the start of this year, let's, let's turn our hearts towards heaven and towards home, and let's determine to seek the Lord with all of our hearts in Jesus' name, amen, so uh, glory to Jesus, hallelujah, um, I, I, I'd like you to just open your hearts today as we pray, and we ask Lord God in Jesus' name, Father God, we are here in your name, and we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. Father, I know there are people watching on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Lord, and there'll be people watching afterwards, and I just pray that by your spirit that you would minister this message to them in the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name, that you would give me the ability to minister in the way in which it deserves to be, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I'm very glad to have you with us today and uh, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 23 and verse 32 and I'm going to read here um, uh, the account of the crucifixion and it says there were also two others criminals led with him to be put to death and when they had come to the place called Calvary there they crucified him and the criminals one on the right hand and the other on the left. Jesus was identified with, he, with sinful uh, mankind as he died, um, you know, with a criminal on one hand and on the other. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, Uh, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. You know, Christ died in a place so public that his accusation above him was written in three different languages then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying if you are the Christ save yourself and us but the other answering rebuked him saying do you not even fear God seeing that you are under the same condemnation and we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds for this man has done nothing wrong then he said to Jesus Lord remember me When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him assuredly I say to you today you will be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice he said. Father into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd came together to that side, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this precious word. I thank you, Lord, that you enable us to understand all that you have accomplished Through the cross. So today I'm talking about Back to the Cross. And as we stand at the start of a brand new year, I couldn't think of a better place for us to begin. And you know, let me say this you will hear from heaven today. You know, I really believe you're going to be blessed because you're going to be given a fresh vision of the cross and all that Christ accomplished there for you. And I don't say this lightly. I believe your life will be changed by this message because there is nothing as life changing or liberating as a personal revelation of the cross. Because when you understand the cross, it literally changes everything. And until you do, it changes nothing. Amen? And so this is why it's so important for us to get a revelation of the cross. Acts chapter 26, we see here that Paul was a violent agitator. He was a religious zealot. You, know, uh, you know, he was quite a violent man. And we're going to read here in verse uh, 8, it says, Why should it be taught incredible uh, uh, by you uh, that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This also I did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them in every synagogue and country, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities." Paul was an extremely driven man. He was driven by rage and by violence and and, and by a desire to punish believers. Verse 12, while thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. We see here that Christ uh, was identified with the church because he said, why are you persecuting me? Not why are you persecuting believers? And so he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Can you imagine the shock that Paul felt in that moment when he said that I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But arise, stand to your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will reveal to you. So remember... God can make something out of your life. You might have made a mess of your life, but he said to Paul, I'm here to make you a minister and a witness. And he said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in me. So here we see the purpose uh, of, of God calling Paul, but also we see the, the veil of eternity pulled aside, and, and we see from God's perspective, he sees through all of the pretense. Uh, all of the labels, um, you know, all of the things that people hide behind, whether wealth or sophistication or power or influence. And here he speaks to the heart of the issue. And he said that, I have called you, he said, "um, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power, uh, from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. So again, it's not a matter of just getting religion, as, as some people seem to think. It's not a matter of, of, of becoming a Christian, signing up to Christianity. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we're literally taken out of darkness to light. We're taken from Satan's power to God's power. So again, it doesn't matter how educated a person may be or how cultured or how sophisticated the bible says unless they're born again they are under the influence of the devil and this is why we're seeing uh you know the distinction between those who walk with god and those who don't in these end days is becoming uh, uh more clear uh, uh, uh god says to paul I've, I've i've called you to to bring them to open their eyes um, To bring them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive an inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem, throughout all the region of Judea, then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting of repentance. Uh, For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having received help from God, uh, to this day I stand witnessing both the small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets of Moses said would come, that Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and that he would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And so here we see Paul, you know, in this verse, summarize the gospel message that Christ would suffer, and here we come to the cross, because you see, Paul was given revelation of the cross, and it changed him from a violent agitator and murderer, to a preacher of the gospel of grace, and this is why Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, Um, and so we see here that, that Paul believed in the power of the gospel, And verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. So we live by faith, not by fear. And I think this is so important in this season for us to make that decision on a daily basis. We choose faith, not fear. Amen. It's intentional. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And therefore, we can understand that Paul was not ashamed of the cross, because the cross is absolutely central to the gospel message. Amen? And so Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And so, this is our first service back under lockdown. And it's our third time in the last nine months. I guess the last two lockdowns worked so well that we're back here again. Um, But anyway... I understand why our government are are doing it, I just don't agree that perpetual lockdowns are the answer, and uh, you know, there's much talk right now about the great reset, as they call it, and while we can endlessly debate what it is and who exactly is behind it, you can't deny that uh, we we have seen huge changes over the last 12 months, particularly in regards to our personal freedoms and civil liberties, and... um, you know, right now we're currently, you know, uh, 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 told you can't go beyond five kilometers of your own home. And if somebody told you that 12 months ago, uh, you would have laughed at them and said you were talking about a, social dictator, a socialist dictatorship. And yet, uh, th- this is the reality for not just here in Ireland, but in many countries around the world. And um, so I'm not sure where this is all going to bring us, but I don't believe that it will be anywhere good. But anyway, back to reset, which in essence means uh, to set or start again. So I'm not sure if that's actually even the correct term for what's currently happening. Uh, Maybe a coup would be a more accurate um, term. But anyway, one thing I do know, and and it's this, that no matter who stands or falls, no matter what comes or goes, the place where we are reset is at the cross. Because it's at the cross that our hearts are are synchronized with His. Amen. And so our hearts uh, you know, are synchronized with His at the cross because it's at the cross that our hearts are changed, our burdens are lifted, our motives are revealed, and our pride is humbled. Amen. Today, I want to go back to the cross. And I want you to come with me because, again, I, I believe it's at the cross that our eyes are opened to eternity. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, uh, and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus. That's the word for 2021, looking on to Jesus in everything, in every situation and circumstance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. When we look at the cross and we consider the hostility that Christ experienced, we should not be surprised if we will experience some hostility also if we serve the Lord. Amen. So Hebrews 12 commands us to look unto Jesus, and yet this is the truth. We cannot see Jesus if we lose our vision of the cross, because just as Jesus Christ is one with his church, he is one with the cross, because it was there that he paid for all of our sins. Now, Matthew chapter 16 um, uh, and verse 21 and Jesus said, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. But Peter took him aside and started, began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And um, it says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. Amen. The cross calls for complete and total surrender. Let me read it again. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And so here Jesus addresses uh, the core issue with the disciples that he has to go to Jerusalem, he has to die on the cross. Peter tries to stand in his way and Christ rebukes him and he rebukes Satan speaking through him. You see, Christ had to go to the cross to fulfill His destiny, and we must regularly come back to the cross if we would fulfill ours. This is so important, and this is what a lot of believers miss. Not only did Christ have to go to the cross, we do too, amen? Because it's at the cross that we see things clearly. If, uh, Galatians 6, 14, Paul said, but God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, By whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You see, Paul understood that Paul died... He said, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. We died with Christ at the cross. You see, we often use the term back to basics to describe the importance of not straying from what is truly essential. To not be sidetracked by side issues you know, to, uh, or, or by what is unimportant in the light of eternity. To hold fast to fundamental principles. And so too, the cross, I believe, is to be at the center of our faith and of our walk with God. Because in this shallow world where lies and deception and greed and lust and lying spirits seek to manipulate and tempt and take us off course, it's at the cross that we are reset according to heaven's specifications. Amen. And this is so important. When we come to the cross, we are reset according to heaven's specifications and heaven's plans. And so in these tumultuous times where so much is uncertain and so many are being shaken, God is calling us back to the cross. The Bible says in the end times, the book of Hebrews, you know, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but we're members of a cross. We're members of a a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But you may ask, why is the cross so important? Well, the cross declares that God loves and values and cherishes us. Amen? So much so, in fact, that he was willing to give his own son to die on that cross for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, the cross, you know, declares that we are loved by God. Romans 5, 8. But God shows His love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Another version says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. You see, God demonstrated love. He showed love. He he is our example. We look to Jesus when we want to understand true love. And in a world where so many are struggling with loneliness isolation and a pervading sense of meaninglessness and hopelessness the gospel message is even more vital than ever before because I look at the cross and I'm reminded that I matter I'm let me say this I may not be talented celebrated or wealthy but clearly I am loved amen Deuteronomy 7 6 for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God, of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Ephesians 2.10 says, for you are God, or sorry, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so that we may do the good works he planned for us long ago. Do you understand that? Do you believe that, that we are God's masterpiece? You see, every step that Christ took was a step closer to the cross. Every day that he lived was a day closer to the moment when he would hang and suffer on that cross on our behalf as our sinless substitute. Franklin Graham said this, It was Christ who willingly went to the cross, and it was our sins that took him there. Never forget that. It was my sin, and it was your sin that put Christ up on that cross. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation 13.8 You see, the cross was no accident. This had been part of God's predetermined purpose for our redemption from sin, death, and destruction. And yet Galatians 5 verse 11 speaks of the stigma or the offense of the cross. Brethren and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. You see, the cross was the most painful, humiliating means of death possible um, at that time. And it often took men days to die in the utmost agony. You see, the cross was not a symbol of hope, healing, or deliverance. Rather, it was a symbol of of, of abject defeat, it was a symbol of sorrow, a symbol of suffering and loss, it was a sign of Rome's utter domination and a painful reminder you know that the Jewish people, to the Jewish people that they were the subjects of a rootless Caesar who would punish any those who would dare to defy him and like I said, they would walk on the roads, and they would see people being crucified. Every cross was a symbol of Romans' domination, a symbol of their uh, defeat, and yet by God's grace, this very same cross has become a symbol of life, liberty, and above all, love. Isn't that amazing that God could take something? That was a symbol of shame and humiliation and pain and defeat and turn it into a symbol of victory, a symbol of life, a symbol of of liberty and, uh, like I said, above all, a symbol of love. I look at the cross and I'm reminded that I matter. Amen. I'm reminded that uh, I am loved, that there is a purpose and a meaning to my life. That there's a god in heaven who loves me and who loves you so much that he was willing to give his own son to suffer on a cross to purchase our souls in blood i want to read here on saint athenaeus i read about him on uh, christmas eve remember uh, or sorry christmas day uh, athenaeus against the world as he was known let me read this quote he the life of all our lord and savior Did not arrange the manner of his own death, lest he should seem to be afraid of some other kind. No, he accepted and bore upon the cross a death inflicted by others and those other, his special enemies, a death which to them was supremely terrible and by no means to be faced. And he did this in order that by destroying even this death, he might himself be believed to be the life. And the power of death be recognized as finally annulled. A marvelous and mighty paradox has thus occurred. For this death, which they taught to inflict on him as dishonor and disgrace, has become the glorious monument to death's defeat. This cross has become a monument to death's defeat. Amen. None of us can avoid dying, and yet when we look at the cross, we are reminded that there is one who overcame death, and through faith in him, we will never die in Jesus' name. Jesus said, he believes me, will never die. Um, Acts 26 and verse 26 says, "This thing was not done in a corner, and this is why I don't believe that as the church, that we should be hiding away in the shadows, cowering in fear. Amen, lest somebody notice us or attack us. No, I believe we're called to be a light to the nations. Amen, we're called to be a light on a hill, a light to our generation. I believe this is a time for us as the church, to come out of the closet and be bold and boldly proclaim truth irrespective of how countercultural, politically incorrect, or unpopular it may be. This is our time to shine. That's why the Bible says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise over you, and His glory shall be seen upon you. This is our time to shine. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. But this is the thing when we look at the crucifixion, clearly what was meant to be a public denunciation. Followed by a public humiliation, actually turned out to be a public propitiation. And this is the amazing thing. 1 John 2 verse 2, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not only for our sins, but for the whole world. Do you know that propitiation literally means atonement? in common language it means to appease or satisfy an offended person and you see god was offended by our sin and yet the cross the propitiation of the cross what christ did there appeased god's wrath so that we could be forgiven and you know at times i, I used to work for an insurance company and at times my boss would bring a case to me and he said john deal with it, which means, you know, there was an issue, uh, that was ongoing, and uh, I was, you know, I was given this problem to solve, and, you know, by saying deal with it, it was code for, just give them whatever they're asking for, kill it off, don't argue, don't haggle, don't negotiate, just, just do whatever is necessary to bring closure to this. Amen. And this is what Christ did on the cross. On the cross, he brought closure to our sin. He paid the price. He was the propitiation, the atonement. Amen. You see, Christ was denounced by the high priest. He was mocked by Herod. He was rejected by the crowd. And he was judged by Pontius Pilate. And it was all done in public. He was publicly condemned by the high priest. He was publicly judged by Pilate. He was publicly mocked and scourged by the Roman soldiers. He was publicly marched through the streets of Jerusalem as a dead man walking, carrying his own cross. He was publicly crucified on Calvary where the high priest, the soldiers, the disciples, and various onlookers witnessed his suffering and his death. And as the soldier drove his spear into the side of Christ, and blood and water gushed out, thus the church was born, the Roman centurion cried out, surely this man was the son of God. You see, the public execution of Christ had many witnesses, and I believe that God had predetermined or foreordained that this would be so. Because again, while we have the we have the benefit of hindsight. Um the disciples, I believe, were struck with, with, with absolute horror. And they were stuck in the moment. And, and, and so, like I said, we, we know how the story ends. But the disciples were stuck in the moment. And so, as Christ breathed his last, I believe the hopes and dreams of the disciples died with him. You know, it looked like darkness had triumphed. But I do think it's interesting why God had so many witnesses to what was happening in that moment. And, and like I said, darkness covered the land, but it wasn't just, you know, physical darkness, I believe there was such a a, a darkness in that moment, Christ was abandoned like no man was abandoned in that moment, as he hung between heaven and earth, bearing our sin and our shame, and like I said, it looked like that when he breathed his last, it looked like darkness had triumphed, but the wisdom of God exceeds the wisdom of man and devils combined. Here, this is the man that God uses to write half the New Testament. Jesus appears to him on a number of occasions. He's taken to heaven, and yet here Paul summarizes his message. His message was centered on the cross. It's centered on the crucifixion, the resurrection of Christ. And this is the thing. It says, if they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because the cross was the key For Christ to enter into the realm of the dead and destroy death, hell, and the grave. If they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because at the cross, light triumphed over darkness and hope triumphed over despair. It looked like a defeat and yet it was a glorious victory. And this is why sometimes you have to take your eyes off the circumstances of your life and put your eyes on the Lord because things may not be as they appear to the naked eye. The very thing that was intended to kill actually brought life, liberty and freedom. And the irony is this, the symbol of oppression and defeat by God's grace became a symbol of hope, healing and victory. And so this morning I want you to come back to the cross. Excuse me. At the cross, we discover five things, and I'm going to quickly go through them. Uh, And I just pray God enables me to, to, to get through them. But at the cross, we discover one that we are forgiven. Let me read this quote by Matthew Henry, 1662 to 1714. Come and see the victories of the cross. Christ's wounds are thy healings. His agonies, thy repose; his conflicts, thy conquests; his groans, thy songs; his pain, thine ease; his shame, thy glory; his death, thy life; his sufferings, thy salvation. Hallelujah! You know, a man long gone, and yet the words that he speak they stir my soul. I, I love that quote. It's I think it's over John Wesley's uh, you know burial tomb saying, "God buries his workers, but he continues his work." Isn't that glorious? I love that. Hallelujah. But you know, when you read these writings of these men and women that have gone before us, it, it, it strikes you because you, 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 can se- you can feel in your spirit, you know, the, the, the spirit in which it was written. First um, Corinthians chapter 15. Paul is writing here, More of a brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which you received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So here, the cross was absolutely central to what Paul preached. And uh, he was buried, that he died, that he rose again, the third day, according to the scriptures, he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. And so, Here we see the cross is a central part of the gospel message. Um, Thomas Akempis, 1380 to 1471. uh, Let me read this quote. In the cross is salvation. In the cross is life. In the cross is protection against our enemies. In the cross is infusion of heavenly sweetness. In the cross is strength of mind. In the cross is joy of spirit. In the cross is excellence of virtue. In the cross is perfection of holiness. Listen to this, there is no salvation of soul, nor hope of eternal life, save in the cross. Can you see why? You know, we haven't seen revival because how, how so many times in the church we've been preaching on sex, and on money, and all of these other peripheral issues, and we haven't been preaching on the cross. This is central to the Christian message. And we this is why we must come back to the cross if we would see our generation moved for Christ it must it must come by us coming back to basics coming back to the cross of Calvary there is, no, there is no salvation of soul nor hope of eternal life save in the cross. First John 4:10. And love consists in this: not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And verse 14: and we have seen and testified. That the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. At the cross, we discover that we are forgiven. You see, because we can reject biblical morality, we can justify our sin, we can claim to be so enlightened and so progressive as a society, and yet we cannot evade the voice of our own conscience. Hardened though it may be, you still will not be able to completely ignore the voice of your conscience. You can, you can try to deny or ignore the inner voice of, of conscience, but deep down we all know that we are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. You know why? Because guilt and shame stalk us. They are a pursuer we just can't shake, no matter how we try. No matter how we try to live in the world, we cannot evade sin. We cannot evade the consequences of our sin, which is shame and condemnation and guilt. Because every human being carries a burden that that cannot be erased by good works, our education, our wealth, our culture, our sophistication. The only thing that can lift this burden is the cross and the blood that Christ shed there. Romans 8 and verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus. And maybe this is the reason why I see many in the body of Christ who struggle with issues long after coming to Christ. is because they have either never have or or they have lost the revelation of the cross and what Christ accomplished there. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Yes, there is condemnation for those who are in the flesh. That's why if you're trying to save yourself, you're going to be full of condemnation. You're going to be, and listen, this is one of the problems in Ireland. We've had religion coming out our ears, and and, and, you know, in many respects, a lot of what we're happening in our society is a reaction or a response to that, but there's a huge difference between religion and relationship. Jesus didn't die to give us religion. He died on the cross so we could have a relationship with God so we could know him that's why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ amen so Colossians 1 and verse 19 for it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace Through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Can you say about about yourself that I'm holy and I'm blameless? You might say, Pastor, I don't feel like I am. I didn't ask if you feel like you are. Do you understand what the scripture just said there? That because of the blood of the cross, you are homeless. You're not homeless. Hopefully you're. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. It says, uh, uh, what does it say? It says that you are holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Ephesians 1:7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. What a beautiful thing it is to be able to say, I am forgiven. I've been released from the past. This is a universal longing of mankind. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the forgiveness of sins is a central part to the message of the cross. Christ suffered so that we could be forgiven and this is why John the Baptist was given that glorious revelation behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world at the cross we are forgiven secondly at the cross we are delivered 1 Corinthians 1 18 for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, God's power was demonstrated at the cross. And when we look to it, when we look to the, to the cross, we connect with God's power too. That's why um, uh, John 3, 14 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Uh, w- what does that mean? That was... Uh, You know, Jesus was quoting from uh, Numbers chapter 21. I want to read it here in the Amplified. And I believe it will give us some perspective um, on this. And it says, And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no bread, neither is there any water, and we load this light, contemptible, unsubstantial manna. Uh, I, it's funny, I brought out my old uh, King James Amplified Bible. It's parallel. And um, this, is the, this is the Bible I had when I was in Bible school back 20, 22 years ago. And... Um, It just brings memories back because this was my first sermon. We all had to give a five-minute sermon. My first sermon was on the brazen serpent, and uh, hallelujah. So, you know, I have some beautiful memories of of being in Texas. Uh, Don't mess with Texas, amen? Uh, But it says, then the Lord sent fiery burning serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. And so when we start to complain, when we start to moan, when we get our eyes off the Lord you know, we opened the door to the enemy in our lives, and the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and you, pray to the Lord, may He may take away the serpents from us, so Moses prayed for the people, and that's the heart of a pastor, and that's the heart of an intercessor, Moses interceded for the people, Moses didn't try and say, well, you know what, you deserve it, <laughs> sometimes as a pastor, you're tempted to say that, but you don't, amen, we're here to love people, and um, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent of bronze and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. And, and this made no sense whatsoever, that God says, take the very thing that's destroying you and put it on a pole. And you see, the pole was symbolic of the cross, because on the cross, Jesus became what we were. He became sin. It's not just that sin was put upon him. He became sin and even God turned his face away from Christ when he was on the cross. And here we see God tells Moses, put a serpent on a pole. And it says, when he looks at it, he shall live. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked at the serpent of bronze, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. Isn't that beautiful? In the Amplified uh, Numbers 21 and verse 9. And when he looked at the serpent of bronze, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. You know one of the reasons why... We're not seeing the miraculous like we should, I believe, as the church. You say you're going to talk about the cross, people switch off. And they say, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I know that. You know, give me some heavy revy. No, we need to come back to the cross. We, if we get a revelation of the cross, there is no demon in hell that will stand before you. Here it talks about a steady and absorbing gaze. Amen. This is what we must do as the church. At the cross, we are forgiven. At the cross, we are delivered because we mustn't merely glance at the cross. We must gaze at it. You see, deliverance was found in an absorbing look. You know, and not only are we forgiven because of the cross, we find safety and deliverance from bondage and oppression. We find freedom from fear, anxiety, lack, despair, and even addiction. You see, a key to freedom is found in the revelation of the cross. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. And it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins you see we've been delivered from the dominion of darkness that's why you don't have to be afraid of devils you don't have to be afraid of demons those things have no right or authority over you and when you get a revelation of the cross those things will run <coughs> excuse me colossians 2 and verse 13 and it says And you being dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting requirements that were against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Listen to this. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it amen you see Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers yes there is such a thing as demonic power absolutely that's why those who are sold out to the devil have a certain amount of power and influence but it's nothing like the power of God but they have been disarmed in the presence of those who have been washed in the blood in those who have come to the cross and maybe this is the reason like I said why many people in the body of Christ are bound with all sorts of issues even years after being saved is because they're trying to do it in their strength and not in his because there is freedom to be found at the foot of the cross freedom from porn freedom from drugs freedom from alcohol Free, and as a believer let me say I've said it over and over again you shouldn't be messing with that stuff I've seen too many lives that have been destroyed through alcohol even over this Christmas season people who thought well I can just have one and suddenly they're just gone off the deep end again don't be a dummy Amen? It's destroyed too many lives. But you can have freedom from whatever you struggle. No matter what it is, you can be free. Because the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. At the cross, we are forgiven. Secondly, we are delivered. Thirdly, we are healed. Amen? Uh, 1 Peter two twenty four, 24. Um, and it declares here, I'm just going to read it for you. First Peter two twenty four. 24. Whomself bore our sins in his own body in the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. You see healing belongs to you. Matthew 8, Jesus laid hands on people, cast out devils, and says that it might be fulfilled what was written that by, by his stripes we were healed. So again Christ by healing was fulfilling what was prophesied in Isaiah 53 and at the cross he purchased our not just our forgiveness of sin but our freedom from sickness and disease Praise God that there is healing power through the cross of Calvary. And I believe it's time to see signs and wonders in our generation. Amen that the signs and wonders He has promised, because the Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yet, I think there's very few churches that would see such exciting events as we see when we read the Gospels. When you read where Jesus went, there was healings, there was deliverances, there was blind eyes opened, lepers healed, devils cast out. We need to see that again, but I believe we need to reset as the church during this season, and come back, firstly, to the cross, because at the cross we are healed. Amen? There is no sign uh, there is no sickness that Jesus cannot heal. There is no disease you know, that, that we cannot be healed from. Why? Because by his stripes we were healed. Galatians 3.13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. If you go to Deuteronomy 28, you can read the curses and the blessings. I do it at every wedding. I don't read the curses. I read the blessings. But under the blessings, you will not find sickness. Under the blessings, you will not find poverty. Amen. They are listed under the curses. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. That means we are redeemed from poverty. We are redeemed from debt. We are redeemed from lack. We are redeemed from sickness. We are redeemed from torment. But you know what? The blessings of Abraham are ours because of what Christ did at the cross. Amen? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse first, For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Sickness and disease has no place in our bodies. Because we've been redeemed from sickness and infirmity. It's time to declare it out of our mouth. Psalm 107. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You need to declare. You know what? 2021. I'm not going to be sick in Jesus name. Amen. I'm not getting COVID. I'm not getting sick. I'm walking in divine health. Amen. Hallelujah. Back to the cross. At the cross we are forgiven. At the cross we are delivered. At the cross we are healed. At the cross we are humbled. Give me five minutes and I'll finish the message. Amy Carmichael, God's missionary, said this. God hold us to that which drew us first. When the cross was the attraction and we wanted nothing else. This is Amy Carmichael's book, God's missionary. Let me read it again. God hold us to that which drew us first. When the cross was the attraction and we wanted nothing else. Oh, are you at that place where you want nothing else but the cross? Where you want nothing else but God? You see, at the cross we are humbled. Our pride is humbled at the cross. Because religion says you can earn heaven. But the cross declares that you truly were without a hope. That you were without God, as it says in Ephesians 2. And that you could not save yourself. And therefore God had to send his son to seek and save that which was lost. Luke 19 and 10. For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. None of us were deserving. None of us were good enough, amen? And this is why there is no fence to the cross. And Paul spoke about it because the Judaizers wanted to try to contribute to their salvation. They wanted you know, people to be circumcised. They wanted people to, to, you know, and that's what religion does. It puts you like a hamster on a wheel trying to earn salvation. You're running and running, but you're going nowhere. But but the Bible says there is no fence to the cross because the cross forces you to accept that you don't meet the mark like Romans three twenty three all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and so again that you don't meet the mark that you can't save yourself that there is no religion or ritual or good deed or personal virtue that can save you pride has no place at the cross fact is pride dies at the cross and that's why we must stay close. the cross, because there is no man or woman who can live with a revelation of the power of the cross, and still walk in pride and arrogance, amen, and so this is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, uh, uh, speaking uh, of the cross, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of uh, wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, Paul said, You want to see God's power? Come back to the cross. You want to see God's power in your life? Come back to the cross. Verse 17, chapter 1. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be emptied of its effect, should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. I know this this message is probably too long. I understand we're online but you know what I'm not gonna think like we're gonna be online forever I'm gonna continue preaching like I believe the word should be preached but sadly there are many Christians who don't have the patience to listen to a decent sermon but the Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing and what I want to ask you whether you're a believer or not if you don't have an appetite to hear about the cross there is something severely dysfunctional about your faith the Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are saved, it's the power of God. We're going to see this place filled with people hungry people. We're going to see the power of God demonstrated. We're going to have this big area here free so people can come up and have hands laid on them so that they can be set free from sickness and disease. We're going to see this this altar filled with people responding, giving their lives to Jesus Christ. But first and foremost, I believe God is giving us this time to reset and come back to the cross. Because if we do not honor the cross, then the world will not fear the cross. They will not love the cross if we do not love it. Amen? And so pride has no place at the cross because we may fall into pride so easily as a result of our achievements or our talents or our spirituality our perceived spirituality we can become uh, you know proud we're so humble and um, or, or simply by just listening to the nice things that people may be saying about us you know flattery is something that uh, all of us have a tendency to, 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 to you know the, a trap that we can fall into so easily but when we come to the cross we realize that we are nothing And that we can do nothing without Him. Just like it says in John 15. You see, all the honor and glory belongs to Jesus Christ alone. Revelations uh, 11 and 15. It says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. He shall reign forever and ever. You see, Christ humbled Himself to die on the cross. Philippians chapter 2. I'm just about finished, but I just, want to re- I, I just want to bring this message to a close because I think, you know, this, this message is, is something I want to give in one because it's, it's so important. This is so vital and I, and I, and I pray that, that every believer will listen to this message from start to beginning. From from the start to the end. Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be evil with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You see, the cross will humble you. When nothing else will, the cross will humble you. I can, be, I can be proud about my ability to preach or you can be proud of your ability to sing or do business or do whatever. But when we come to the cross, we are humbled because Christ himself humbled himself to go to that cross. It says he humbled himself to the point of death. Therefore God has also exalted them and given them the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christ humbled himself to die on the cross. He laid aside his will to do the will of God. And you know, in the light of this, the cross calls us to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. To surrender our pride and to serve His purposes. At the cross, we are forgiven. At the cross, we are delivered. At the cross, we are healed. At the cross, we are humbled. Just give me two minutes and I'm finished. At the cross, we are commissioned. You know the word commission means an instruction, a command, a role given to a person, or group. A group of people entrusted by a government or other official body with authority to do something. Think about that. We have been entrusted by the government of heaven to bring the message of life to the world. Matthew 10, 38, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. You see, the cross is calling on us to lay aside our agendas, our plans, and our pride, and simply do the Father's will. The cross commissions us to go. We have a heavenly mandate to take this gospel to every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every language. And let me say this again. I've said it numerous times. The Great Commission has not been negated or invalidated by COVID. We are still called to go. Hans, let me read this. Hans Erz von Belshazzar, I think. It is to the cross... That the Christian is challenged to follow his master. No path of redemption can make a detour around it. Christ calls us to the cross. And the cross is painful. In order to carry a cross, you had to drop everything that was in your hands. And so, too, for us, like Jesus said, to take up our cross and follow him means we have to lay down our pride, our opinions, our agendas our plans. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, you're going to do what God wants you to do. Nothing more and nothing less. Christ put it this way, Mark 8:34. and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You see, Christ put the cross at the center. The cross calls for unwavering dedication and consecration to doing the will of God and answering the call of God. And this is why churches that won't preach on the cross will be weak and ineffectual. That's why the church is in the mess it's in. We've been giving, feeding people on a diet of entertainment and encouragement. And you know all sorts of secular ideas and giving spiritual TED talks. And then we wonder why the church is dead and apostate in many instances. God is calling us back to the cross. He's calling us back to the cross as the worship group come. Luke 14, 27, whoever does not bear his cross come after me cannot be my disciple. You see, Christ considered the cross to be central to the great commission. We have been commissioned. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes in his baptized shall be saved. He who doesn't believe will be condemned. Matthew 16, 15 and 16. Matthew, uh, Matthew, uh, Mark 16. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore. We have a mandate to go. We have been called to go. We have been commissioned to go with the gospel message. And that's why we must take it to the nations in his name. I know this message maybe has been a little longer than than normal, but you know what? I believe it's a subject that deserves our attention. And it's something that we need to reflect upon. It's something we need to think about. It's something that we need to pray about. And it's something that we need to have a very clear revelation on in these end days before Christ returns. And so today, I want to ask you, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, if you don't have that assurance that Jesus is your Lord if you've never really come to the cross maybe you were baptized as a baby and maybe you've gone to church or I don't know but maybe you've never surrendered to the cross because the cross has a call when you come to the cross you can never be the same again because when you come to the cross something in you dies and God is calling all of us in this day and age to come to the cross To lay down our pride, our fears, our opinions, our agendas, our plans. And say, Lord, just like Christ, not my will, but your will be done. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, just pray this simple prayer at me today. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart that you were born of a virgin. That you lived a perfect life and that when you died on the cross you died in my place bearing my sin and shame come into my heart Lord Jesus Christ and forgive me of my sin I accept you as my Lord and Savior now there's many of you watching today and maybe you're a believer but you know there are things in your life that don't please God I want you to bring that to the cross I want you to bring it to the cross today every sin every bondage Every offense, all bitterness, all unforgiveness, every iniquity. There are things your father did and you swore you'd never do them and yet you're just as bound as he was. Or maybe it was your mother. God wants to set you free today. There is freedom to be found at the foot of the cross. Maybe you're addicted today might be porn or drugs or alcohol. I don't know what it is. I know you can be free. So I want you to just lift your hands as a sign of surrender to the Lord today. And just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the price that you paid for my freedom. I repent of my sin. I repent of grieving your spirit. I repent of trying to do it in my strength. I look to you today, Lord, and I bring this to the cross. You paid for it, Lord. You carried that burden, and so today in the name of Jesus, I surrender it to you. I surrender my pain. I surrender my past. I surrender every iniquity. I lay it at the foot of the cross, Lord. Set me free in the name of Jesus. Where I have failed in my strength, I will now succeed in yours. Because you did it at the cross, and I receive freedom and deliverance in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for breaking every chain, for lifting every burden, for cleansing me from my sin, I let it go today I release those memories I release that burden I release that bondage thank you Jesus whom you set free is free indeed I am free I am free I am free because of the cross because of the blood of Calvary